0: I'm Sonia Morton-Firth and you're tuned in to The Sonia Morton-Firth Show. Today, my guests are father and son, Mike and Liam Byrne. Both have had extraordinary childhoods. Watch this interview as we explore a non-traditional way of bringing up a son and the father-son dynamic and how it has evolved from past generations. I believe health is the greatest form of wealth we have which is why I'm so excited to be partnered with Brother in Arms. Brother in Arms is a wellness brand dedicated to working with veterans, first responders, and anyone on the front line. Through their education, support, and premium CBD products, they help alleviate and restore the lives of those that have been affected by physical and mental trauma. Learn about the life-changing benefits and power of CBD join their community today. Hit the link below. Hi there and today we've got a very special interview which I'm very excited about and I'd like to welcome Mike and Liam who are father and son and this should be quite exciting because today we're going to be talking about a father-son relationship from both Father and son that have had completely different backgrounds, both extraordinary. Um, but let's just dive into that a little bit more. Firstly, welcome, Mike, Liam. Lovely to have you on my show. Glad to be
1: here.
2: Thanks for having us. <laughs>
0: right. Mike, I'm going to start with you first. Could you give me a little bit of background, a little short version of who you are and your journey?
2: Okay, my journey. I'm going to have to start at the beginning because I will digress
0: <laughs> phenomenally.
2: So, my biological father was paranoid schizophrenic. So, a real proper mental health issue. He we had never we never had any clocks or mirrors in the house because they would speak to him. He was he wasn't a nice man. He was a heavy drinker, bad gambler. I say bad gambler because he lost all the time, (laughs) which it's not actually that funny because then we would bear the brunt of that wolf. Certainly my mother was a very violent man. Um, Luckily enough, we got rid of him when we were just young. But living in the same town as him uh, made things extremely difficult for my sisters and I because he was, uh, because of his illness and he, If he took his medication, he would go off the radar and he'd be fine. But when not taking his medication, he would be doing stupid things. He'd be in the local paper for committing petty crimes. Subsequently, we'd get bullied at school Mm. because of this. I was lucky my sister, my older sister, was hard as nails, so I would just cry. She'd come and run and save me, beat up, beat the shit out of the guys that picked on me. Um, It... Kind of, I struggled through primary school, but by the time I got to high school, I started kind of sticking up for myself, fighting back, running around football casuals, getting into a lot of trouble, fighting.
0: Now, just to set that scene, this we're talking about the 70s, right? Sorry, I don't want to age (laughs) you. Yeah, sorry, 70s, 80s. (laughs)
2: Yeah, 70s, late 70s. Eight days for the the football casual type thing um jumping back a, a few years um there was a, a time um in my childhood i was I was sexually abused by our local football coach she was also a policeman um I just um it, I, I've never I I don't th- I don't feel I've ever suffered because of it. It went to court. Um, thankfully, I'm c- kind of quite proud of myself um, looking back, because when I spoke out about it, it then came to light that this policeman football coach had been abusing a load of boys. Wow. So okay. it went to court, and, and yeah, he did. He was sentenced to prison. So it was something massively good come of that. And and I think that's what I've done with with my life. Any any negative thing that's happened, I've took a positive out of it. And, you know...
0: Did that influence the rest of your childhood?
2: I don't think so. I don't think so. I did go through a spell of hating the police, but that wasn't because of him. I was running around with football casuals and the police were spoiling our fun. Were you fight.
0: getting in a lot of fighting?
2: We were getting into... Uh, of an awful lot of fighting.
0: So Mike, so you've just told me, so you were sexually abused, you were involved in a lot of fighting, and you had a a schizophrenic father that pretty much left you. Sorry, it's not painting a pretty picture of your childhood. (laughs) Um,
2: God, it was amazing actually, no. uh,
0: Is that why you joined the military?
2: I actually ended up having to join the military.
0: Due, tell, me, tell me about due that. Due
2: to the fighting. Um, like I say, we were fighting all the time, but there was an incident. I'd just turned 16. It was a local uh, party. A few guys had gate crashed. Uh, they decided to let them in. It'd cause more trouble to try and get them out, but it didn't quite work like that. Long story short, we did end up fighting, and I ended up being charged with attempted murder.
0: Oh, what happened? Yeah. You? you were sixteen. I
2: at was this sixteen. Point. Yeah, but I didn't obviously didn't try and kill the guy, but the injuries that he sustained with me hitting him warranted me being charged initially with attempted murder. So my social worker, I'd, I'd already had a social worker with the trouble that I'd been in, um, had said to me that you're you're going to jail for this. There's just no escape in this. You've got too much previous albeit petty, fighting and things, this is serious, you're, you're definitely going to jail. Um, I went to court for a pre-trial and the judge, the, the, my my uh, social worker said to the judge, he is contemplating joining the military if this is still an option and the judge's eyes lit up and, and he said to me, I'm going to defer sentence for six months. If you come back here and you you're in the military... We will re-look at things. If you're not in the military, I can promise you, you will be doing a custodial sentence.
0: So the military saved you from going to prison, basically? 100%.
2: And it it, it gave me a... Joining the military let me refresh. I was joining with a bunch of... uh, Everybody at the time was 16. It was a junior leader's regiment. So I was going there... Nobody knew anything about me and I went there and I was like the the ultimate grey man. I kept myself to myself. I didn't talk about what I'd done in the past. I didn't, you know, a lot of of young kids talk too much. I sat back and started to excel. The sports, because I was into fitness, I've always been into my fitness when we'd done the boxing. It's quite handy, so needless to say I was going to win the boxing, so... And then started playing rugby, again, it's an aggressive sport, so it was right up my street, excelled, and then started getting recommended for commando training for different things. So yeah, 100% the military saved, saved my life.
0: Mike, I mean, you've had an, quite an unusual childhood, I think, um, you, know, you know, from from having your father, schizophrenic father, to your sexual abuse and the fighting, nearly going to prison, and then going to the military. I'd just like to come on to Liam now and find out a bit more about your childhood, Liam, which I believe has been very different. Do you want to give yeah. me some background on your Slight, childhood? Slightly
1: different from my dad's. Um, so I'm 20 years old at the moment, currently working as a professional skydiver and wingsuit coach.
0: Which is quite unusual for a 20-year-old, yeah, i sure. Yes, yeah, it's,
1: it's not normal. Um, But yeah, nothing about my childhood was normal. So going back to like early childhood, I was playing a lot of rugby, doing a lot of kickboxing. If I wasn't doing that, I was out running with my dad, getting beasted. So my life's always, I guess, revolved around fitness and sport. Um, Then when I turned 12, we kind of, I guess, we took things to the next level. So from 12 onwards, we did a lot of expeditions, um, starting off with Kilimanjaro when I was 12, 12 years old, yeah, and then six months later we went to Russia, climbed Mount Elbrus, which is the highest mountain in Europe, and um, we did 500 kilometres through Scandinavia with our own team of huskies, cross-country skied across the top of Norway, and um, spent five weeks in the Peruvian rainforest, like, not normal childhood stuff, certainly different from my dad's upbringing, um, and then as soon as I turned 16, started skydiving, 17 started wingsuiting, and then from that point I mean my life's basically just revolved around skydiving since then so I did whatever I could to make it a job I was living in the back of my van at the drop zone working towards getting coach ratings now I've got them and I'm doing it professionally yeah
0: who would you owe your um I guess childhood to was it your father saying right Liam come on let's do this or were you saying dad I want to do this
1: I think, I mean, it certainly started off with my dad. He was, he was not pushy, but he was pushing me to do these things. So, like, if I didn't want to go to rugby, it didn't matter. I was going to rugby. If I didn't want to go to kickboxing, the same thing. Um, he was always pushing me outside my comfort zone, which I think is really important to develop as a person, to gain confidence as a person. And then, yeah, I mean, Kilimanjaro was your idea as well. I want to go to Kilimanjaro because I've always been into nature and into animals. So I was like, oh, yeah, we get to go to Africa, see some animals. That was kind of my drive to go. And it was on Kilimanjaro that I realised that, okay, I really, this is kind of the route my life is going to go. I don't want to fall into the normal, you know, nine to five normal life. It was, it was never going to work for me. I needed to be doing, not necessarily mountaineering, but I needed to be doing something difficult that was pushing myself. Um, and yeah, then from there, I started to chip in. So I was like, let's go and climb more mountains. Let's go do more expeditions. And it was kind of back and forth. You'd suggest a few things. I'd suggest a few things. We kind of just bounced off each other. We both had that energy and drive to be doing things and pushing ourselves and kind of, I guess, finding what our limits were. Um, and both we were just doing it together. It was like, I mean, the reason we were doing it was purely because we were enjoying it. It was just father-son going on these crazy adventures around the world. And that was it we were never doing it to prove points to anything like I mean I never even told any of my friends we were doing these things it was just it was purely between yeah. us the only exposure it got was when my dad would go tell the local newspaper because he was proud of his son like it was, and I hated that like it was it was just purely because we were enjoying it and we were getting something out of it and then the older I got um, I just I mean it was just who I was then so now I'm just carrying on
0: And did you not notice that you were um, maybe different to your, or or certainly going through a different childhood to your peers and your your school?
1: Yeah, I knew it was different, but it was, it was my normal. Um, So I never, I mean, even looking back, I'm like, it doesn't, I mean, it seems a little bit crazy, but it's the way we went about it was always pretty normal. I was never, I don't know, we, we never talked about these things as being extreme challenges. It was just, they were all very doable very doable challenges. Um, So we never had the mindset of doing crazy things. We were just, I guess, experiencing life. And I guess my dad's thought process was make sure my energy's being channelled into something
0: positive. What was your thought process, Mike? Why why were you bringing up Liam in this way?
2: I guess, I guess I was kind of being quite selfish, Um, reliving my youth, reliving youth again. Through not through my son's eyes, I wouldn't stand at football training and shout and scream. He'd never played football, but uh, as an example, that's what a lot of parents do. I would suggest we did this, and he would go, "Yeah, Dad, I'm up for that." I've, I've never spoke to Liam as a child. I've always treated him as a person, and I think that's that's now when we look back and think. And I look back and see photographs, and I do think, oh my God, he was young, um, and was that right to have done that at that age? But when we speak about it, we we discussed everything, and it was like, and and I like I say, I, I always talk to him like a, a another person.
1: So,
0: do you think your relationship has is, has become stronger because of the experiences that you share together?
1: I mean, it's always been pretty strong because of that. Um, Like like you said, I I was always spoken to like a person, so we've always been mates rather than father son. I never got like screamed at for doing anything wrong. I was it was explained why it was wrong, and then I didn't do it again kind of thing. Um, So I think we've always had a I mean our relationship's not normal at all, and it's always been like that. And especially now that I'm older as well, we're like we're just we're mates, aren't we? It's not really I'd never really felt like a father son relationship. It's always just been like a doing things with my mate.
0: What's Liam taught you about yourself?
1: Oh God! I I've
2: always known I've been pretty awesome, but you're <laughs> 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 just kind of highlighting it. <laughs> no, I think, uh, especially now as as he's um, getting older, he's yeah he's able to be a, a much more calm and influence on me because I'm still quite an aggressive person.
0: You wouldn't don't come across aggressive. That's for sure. <laughs>
2: No, but I am like, if, yeah, I'm so, I hate bullies. Obviously, with mm. probably being bullied, if I seen anybody getting beaten up in the street, if there's three guys beating up one guy, I would definitely intervene. I could not not get involved. But yeah, I think um, massive benefits I'm getting now because, like I say, he 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 talks to me. And, and I've always, I used to be the one talking to him and he'd listen and understand and, So it's reciprocated. Excuse me. Um, When he explains things to me, I listen as well. I don't think I'm the father. I'm right. I I think I'm always open to other people's interpretation. And especially my son.
0: Liam, I want to ask this question. Um, How has your dad made you proud of him?
1: I think just the effort that's gone into, like, I mean, both me and my sister's upbringing, like, he's put in... A lot more effort than like i mean a lot of my parents and my parents like my friends dads growing up they like i mean they were just normal dads nothing wrong with them but um even people's parents were together and stuff i spent more time with my dad and my parents were split up um from like a super young age like taking us to kickboxing every week which was like a 45 minute drive away like he said becoming like a rugby coach just to be there at rugby and then pushing me into doing all these expeditions like it's not certainly not normal he certainly
0: didn't need to do that but not normal I love the fact that you say, well, say not normal because it isn't it isn't yeah. normal certainly but what is normal and actually isn't Have you don't you think the not normal has benefited you oh yeah yeah I that?
1: mean the last thing I ever want to be is normal um so it's, I, when I say not normal I mean that in a positive way um but yeah I mean that's the life skills that I learned through these experiences and I would never have experienced them without my dad so yeah, I'd say probably the effort put into raising me would be what I'm most proud of, and the fact that you can still, you know, half keep up.
0: And, and and I think that's quite important. What you just said earlier as well, the fact that, um, you, you know, you were you, you were separated, you know, separated from from your mum at the time. Um, and I think there is a lot of single dads out there that perhaps may look at this and think, well, I don't get the chance to spend a lot of time with my son. What would you say to them if? People are watching, and dads are watching, and saying, "I'd love to spend more time with my son." But
2: uh, you, you've, a dad, is they've got no excuses. I've got a lot of friends um, that that hardly ever see their kids, but they've got plenty of time to go to the pub, got plenty of time to go to the football, got plenty of time. Uh, it's you've got to make that effort, you, because you will regret it later on in life. I'm one hundred percent. I'm already getting friends that have regretted. Um, missing out in their their children's upbringings, um, you you need to put in the effort. As a dad, you I chose to bring two kids into this world, and that is my responsibility. That is your responsibility as a father. You know, if you, I do get that sometimes the wives are difficult, but you've got to you've you, your your wife your your ex partner is going to be under. If you're making, if all you're wanting to do is do good by that child. No, no woman's going to deny a dad of that. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 blame, I blame the parents one hundred percent. And I say, if the kids a twat, one hundred percent guaranteed, you could be guaranteed the dad will be a twat.
0: I think that's not. It is an important thing you said there, in that a father can be an important role model. Mm-hmm. For his son or, or daughter, and uh, do you feel like your dad's been a, a role model for you, Liam?
1: Yeah, he's quite clear that he has um, kind of, I wouldn't even say a followed in his footsteps because he's never tried to make me do that. He's always been like, do your own thing. Certainly with the fitness side of things, I've um, taken that from him. He's always been, I mean, he's like almost 50 now and he's in pretty, pretty remarkable shape for a 50-year-old. Um, not to stroke his ego.
0: Nothing wrong with being 50, sorry. <laughs>
1: but, um, yeah, so in terms of like teaching me that anything's possible, I think is the main thing I've taken from my dad as a, as a role model. I mean, anything that he does, he, I mean, there's never any doubt that it can be done, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, and he's installed that in me from such an early age, whether it was with rugby, like when I was playing rugby, I was pretty good at rugby. So it was uh, well, if you want to be in the Scotland team, you can be in the Scotland team. Same with kickboxing, if you want to be world champion, you can be world champion. And then the mountains, if you want to climb this mountain, you can climb this mountain. There was So I think the kind of confidence and the appreciation that actually anything is achievable.
0: I love that. I love the fact you said that anything is achievable. Don't you think there's a lot of kids that are brought up now that have got all these constraints on them? Yeah. And yeah. that maybe don't believe anything is is possible, and then they spend all of their adult life trying to reprogram the mind to think that they can do something because they were told as kids they couldn't. Yeah,
1: I mean the phrase I always heard annoyingly growing up, and I hated it, but now looking back, I realise it was very accurate. Is mind over matter? So whenever we'd be out on a run or up Kilimanjaro, and anytime we'd be like struggling, it was always mind over matter. But it's true; like your mind is what determines what you can and can't do. As soon as you go, I'm done. I can't do anymore. I give up, and that, you've given up, right? But as long as you've got the mindset of anything is achievable, I can do anything. Then, as long as you put like the required work in, and the preparation in, your body's capable of anything you want to do. It's all like the power. I truly believe in the power of the mind. And I don't think people really understand that because they're not pushed to to learn about it. Nobody is like like you said, the education system. We're not taught to find out what we're capable of mentally and physically we're just kind of taught to fit into this like standard you know routine that people do and um, I think there's a lot of importance by learning from a young age or at any age but it's certainly easier at a young age that yes you can do anything you might have to work hard for it but you can do anything and yeah I mean that was kind of the whole model of my upbringing was you can do whatever you want
0: you can do whatever you want yeah. I love it and Liam, look, you're talking, and you and I don't mean to sound derogatory, but you're 20 years old, and you've got the rest of your life ahead of you. What do you see for the future? What do you see next for you?
1: I want to just challenge myself in different ways and get outside my comfort zone again. Um, so, like, skydiving is now my comfort zone, and I think we can expand our comfort zone by going back to the expeditions, back to the mountains, back to the Arctic, and do more things like that, I think is where we're heading
0: I love that, pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. And Mike, were you consciously bringing up Liam this way? Do you feel like you were pushed outside your comfort zone when you were younger?
2: Yeah, no, 100% I was conscious of of the way I was. I I wanted him to experience everything he could and understand. I mean, I would suggest things and he would just do it. We would go out for runs and he'd say to me, oh, dad, I'd say, everybody can be broken. Every every single person can be broken. And he'd say to me, okay, maybe he's only eight or nine. Oh, you can't break me, dad. And I says, okay, today I'm going to break you, son, okay? And we'd go out for a run and we'd go up and down steps. And at the top of the steps, I'd say, how many steps did we run up? And he'd look at me like I was stupid. So I says, okay, we'll go again. So we'd run around maybe a 600 metre loop back up the steps at the top of the steps. This time we'd counted them. There Say there's 35 steps. He'd say 34. And I'd say, no, let's go again. <laughs> so we'd do the whole loop again. You get the idea. Yeah. So we'd done this till he was physically just wrecked. I was physically wrecked. We were both physically shot. And as we're going, we're just running back home. And as we get to the house, I speeds up. And runs past the house. And that because he's seen us going past the house and never knew how far we were going, he broke. He just he sat crying and oh, I, I just I assumed we were going home. And I says, Congratulations, son, you've just been broken. And I says, The worst of it is, we were just going to that lamppost and then home. You were so close. But we weren't. It was gonna take him the whole four kilometres around again. But it took a lot longer than I realized. So it, it was quite, quite cruel. But I was, always, I was as physically knackered as he was. So, um, yeah.
0: What do you think the secret is of a good father-son relationship? And I'll ask you, Mike, first. Um,
2: don't make them something they're not. Don't try and... I was lucky enough to, to have another childhood, doing yeah. all these fun things with my boy. But if your kid's not... My daughter is an amazing... She's an amazing girl, and equally as amazing as Liam, but in a different way. She would not go skiing. She would not go ice skating, but she'd sit and read books, so she got lots of books thrown at her. She just got a first-degree honours for a law degree, Mm -hmm. and she's picked up a traineeship. I could not be more proud of her
0: as well. I think they should be very proud of you, Mike, because if it hadn't been for you by the sounds of it... Do you think your childhood, though, has... Benefited you in a way, and you know, I'm sure people look at this and go, well, Hang on a minute, you had a schizophrenic father, he was, you know, you know, sexually abused, this, that, the other. You fought. I know we haven't mentioned the fact that one of your good friends um, uh, died when you were very young.
2: Yeah, 100%. My childhood um, was massive, massive benefit to me because I think anything negative I've turned, I've taken a positive out of it, you know. Um, uh, even sexual abuse, I'd, I'd, I'd stopped that and it saved a lot of other kids going through and I'd stopped that. That guy used to be stopped in his tracks and put to jail. Um, everything else, the fitness, the running around, I just made sure my kids were occupied. When they came to me and said, oh, Dad, I was thinking about being invited on this school ski trip or something I thought well a school ski trip is going to be disastrous it's going to involve lots of alcohol lots of bad behavior and I and I would say oh that's that's the time when I was thinking about going on a family holiday to Florida and they say oh I would much rather do that then and then I think shit how am I going to get the money to pay to you know but then that was up to me to to do that so prevention cure thing always played a part just distract, divert their attentions to something else if I, if I can see that it was going down a potential route of of any potential troubles. So yeah, my childhood, 100%, I have no regrets.
0: And I, I think that's amazing because, you know, a lot of people may, you could, you could have been sitting here a victim of your childhood mm. and instead you've t- turned it around to a complete positive and brought up Liam in, a, mm. in a, an amazing way. Liam, I'm going to ask you that question as well. Um, in terms of your, uh, in terms of, of the secret to a father and son's uh, relationship, mm. successful relationship, what do you think it is?
1: I think like you said, communication in the way that you just talk to them like a person. Like I don't have any memories of you talking to me like a child. And I think that makes you, I mean, it certainly made me grow up quicker. Um, and also just channeling energy into something like kids have loads of energy. If you're not doing something with it, they'll be putting that somewhere else. And I always had my energy in, like, fitness and sports and the expeditions we were doing, and training for the expeditions we were doing. And, like, even, like, 16, like, I missed my lad's holiday because I was skydiving with my dad. Like, and I'd much rather be doing that. And I think, yeah, I was always doing stuff, whether it was physical, well, I mean it was all physical. Um, so I guess I would say the secret is just keep them, certainly for a young guy and girl, just keep them physically occupied if that's what they're into. And if that's not what they're into, like, if you're into art or whatever, keep them occupied by doing art if you're into like anything, just find what they're interested in naturally and just and yeah submerge them.
0: Is there anything you'd like to say to your dad? Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, I love it. And Mike, anything that you'd like to say to your son? He's
2: done he's excelled in everything he's done. Uh, I'm just super proud of him.
0: Yeah. Guys, I think this has been a a very unusual interview and I've loved having you both on my show. Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, there's a new interview out every Monday. So hit subscribe and like and you'll get it straight into your inbox.